Leslie, there was one guy that <laughs> said he was 35 on oh, the app. No. And I remember talking to him on the phone before we hung out. And I was like, hey, so you just had a birthday. So are you 36? He's like, no, I'm 35. What are you? Are you ageist? <laughs> um, so anyways, we ended up hanging out. And I remember when I saw him, I was like, there's something off about this oh, guy. No. There's something <laughs> off about him. But I couldn't pinpoint it. And then later in the night, it comes out that he was... Leslie was 45 years old. Okay, that is a huge difference. That's so different, right? Huge. Like, no one should ever lie about their age, but 10 years? Totally. for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak, a podcast all about the shared experience of dating in Los Angeles. And I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Laylee. Laylee and I have known each other for so long. I feel like she's seen me through so much because we met freshman year at UCLA and have somehow made it out of that alive and are relatively successful (laughs) and navigating our lives in Los Angeles together. And I'm really excited to welcome her on the show. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful for our friendship. We've been through so much together and I've always felt like Whenever I'd come to you and be like, what's going on in your world? We could always connect and that always felt so good. So for us to be sharing this with the world, y'all are in for a treat and for a ride. Yes. Like even just the discussion that we were having leading up to this, I I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so great. We have so much to cover. So I think it's going to be a really amazing episode. So to give a little bit of context about why I wanted to have Laylee on, Laylee is one of the most like intentional and spiritual and well-spoken and thoughtful people I know. And so... I know she really brings that into all aspects of her life, but that includes dating. And so I thought, who better to have on the podcast than someone who is going through the dating journey and has all of these amazing, thoughtful things to contribute. Thank you, my love, for me to hear that from you. Just that resonates so deeply because I see that in you as well. So I guess to give a little bit of background, would love to kind of talk about what your experience with the dating has been overall. And I know that's a very broad question, but I guess just in terms of how you would describe your past experiences and how you would say they've shaped where you are today. I think that all of my experiences have showed me what I like and what I don't like. I was sharing this with you earlier, like small example of like, I want a tall guy, which like I'm realizing from dating guys, like it's not about being tall. It's about masculinity and like feeling like, I don't know, sexy. So those are some of the insights, but also it's been a bumpy ride. It's had its ups and downs, but it's also helped me grow into the woman that I am and understand who I want to be too. I'm grateful to be able to look back on it and say, it's been great. So Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And I love that you're so positive about it because I think (laughs) as we were kind of planning for this, you were saying, yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about anyone. And 
I was like, that's very admirable because I feel like when I'm on the podcast, I really don't try to like shit on anybody. It's not like I'm like, oh, I have such bitter feelings towards any single person. Maybe to listeners of the podcast, they'll be like, that's not true. Maybe it doesn't come across that way. But I just want to say, I think that it's great that you kind of look at everything as a learning rather than holding any resentment or bitterness to any past situation. Thanks, Leslie. I feel like it also comes from being really hard on the self too, Mm -hmm. because I'm like always looking at what did I contribute to the experience? How could I have made it better? And and self-responsibility is a very empowering thing. So yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. And I think that is something I also try to do because I also think, okay, I know I'm not perfect. Like there are things that I look back on and I'm like, you really could have handled that in a better way talking to myself. But then also I think even if someone quote unquote did something, it's like, okay, but if you stayed with them, then you also allowed it to happen. So it is important to reflect and hold yourself accountable. For sure. For sure. I get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we should just dive in. Like let's do it. When you talk about the learnings that you've had from past relationships, I think one of the most important things is reflecting on some of the behaviors that you endured back then that you would not want to endure now. And so I'd love to hear about what some of those are, why you think that you've evolved into a person who wouldn't take that and like what you would look for instead. Yeah. I think what's funny is that I saw being in a relationship as like one of the boxes I needed to check in order to feel successful, worthy, loved, having an amazing life. And Don't get me wrong. I think that being in a great relationship is something I still am excited to have. But that took precedence over, is this person really the person that's going to be right for me? Does this really feel good? Am I meeting my highest potential with this person? And sometimes it would it was less about that and more about, okay, I found the person. This is great. Let's get it across the finish line, girl, and check that box off. And so... As a very goal-oriented person, a very, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> such an achiever. Yes. And it took courage, too, to be like, wait, no, this isn't, this isn't good for me. This isn't right for me. And sometimes it didn't always end in the most positive way things that happened were helping me grow. And in the moment, did it always feel like that? No, it sucked really bad. But it feels really nice to look back and say, like, it also motivated me and inspired me to work on myself and thank God for friends like you, because that also helped a lot. So I feel like I can't fully relate, but I can relate to a degree. So to explain when you said that you viewed being in a relationship as the main goal, I honestly don't meet very many people who I like enough to be in a relationship with them. And I feel like I Mm. get along with most people, but that doesn't translate to me being like, yes, I want to be in a relationship with you. So I feel like for me, when I do make those sacrifices and compromises that shouldn't be made, it's when I do meet someone who I'm like, oh, I can actually see dating you because for me, it's so rare. So then when that person comes along, I'm like, well, I don't necessarily love this thing, but then you just kind of gloss over it because you're like, well, this is like the first person who I've liked in who knows how long. So I think that when I do... 
I don't want to use the word settle because I think that reflects negatively on the people who I've dated in the past. But I think that when I do make those concessions that I shouldn't make, it's a little bit rarer, but then sometimes it's like larger concessions because these opportunities feel like they come around fewer and further in between. I know. Absolutely. I hear what you're saying. And life experience is amazing and it helps us learn a lot about ourselves. And I'm curious to know more about what your large and small concessions are, but yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, again, I feel like I want to word (laughs) everything really carefully because I feeding off your energy, literally no disrespect to anyone who I dated. Like I came out of all of those relationships, a better person. I strongly believe that, but I will say there were a couple of instances where friends would be like, I can't believe like you didn't end it. Like they were like, I thought you would have ended it because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Also, I'm like, thanks for telling me that now. Like, I wish you had told me that before. Um, Some people did. There are some people who are, like, very upfront and were like, no, this is bullshit. But, you know, sometimes you get that feedback after the relationship is over, and so it causes you to reflect later on. And so one specific example that comes to mind off the top of my head is, like, I love my birthday. I know that makes me sound like a brat. But what I really love about it is the fact that I have a lot of disparate friend groups and it's one of the few opportunities to bring everyone together in like a big celebration. And so that is what makes it important for me. It's not like gifts or having all the attention be on me. It's just my friends kind of enjoying this experience at once. And I remember the person who I was dating this one year, I wanted him to come to this birthday celebration with me. Like he did come, but it was like, I'll like meet you there. And then he was like late and he was in a really bad mood and was just like bitching about things. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, so I won't dive too deeply into it. But one of my friends, she was like, yeah, that was really, really lame of him. And I was like, I'm not a fan of that. It's like, this is your day. So even if he's not having a good day, like suck it up. 100% absolutely our birthdays are a special day and uh, I agree with you a guy who's mature enough to acknowledge that hey you might be feeling whatever you're feeling but this is someone who's important to you and you should put all that stuff aside and celebrate this amazing human being so yeah absolutely yeah. and I think it's like that in itself is that a deal breaker no it's not a deal breaker I think again holding myself accountable I don't know that I really brought up, hey, you were acting kind of like a little bitch and maybe I wouldn't have used those words. After a glass of wine, that's the phrasing that I choose. I wouldn't have used those words, but I think the importance is to express that sentiment to the person that is something that I should have addressed. I've done a lot of reflecting in the last month. I'm also trying to be more vulnerable, so I'm just gonna open up and say, I've realized I'm very conflict averse. I really feel like I need to bring up things that might be uncomfortable and that I don't like. And if someone doesn't like that, then that's fine. But it's better than me having this feeling and just not saying something because it's uncomfortable to do so. Absolutely. It reminds me of a class. The one thing I learned from undergrad, because I don't remember a lot, is conflict is part of healthy relationship. It takes courage, though, to like be like so bold and open. Mm-hmm. But... The benefit of doing that is like you learn more about the other person and potentially they take that feedback and then they grow and then you grow together and have like an amazing relationship or you don't and it becomes one of the frogs along your path. (laughs) Yeah. It's charming. 
It's tough because I do feel like there aren't a lot of things that really bother me. Like I think even in high school from back then, I was like, yeah, I'm not easily offended by things or really easily upset. It's not like I'm someone who gets mad at people easily. And so I think it's then easy to be like, okay, well, it's not a big deal and not bring it up. But it's like, okay, even if it's not a big deal, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I need to pick fights about things. I think I just need to realize that even though I'm not mad about something, it's still important to address it and just like let the other person know how you are feeling and make sure that you're heard. Absolutely. And that takes trusting yourself to be able to communicate it, trusting your partner. And I think it also builds trust when you do all of that. People say communications is a part of a healthy relationship, but like, what does that really mean? And I think what you're talking about, like that would be part of a healthy relationship is, Hey, this bothered me. And then having the dialogue that comes from that Mm -hmm. and the connection that comes from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about for you? Like, what are some of the behaviors that you feel like you accepted that you maybe shouldn't have? Yeah. Something that comes to mind is when someone comes home from their long day or when we finally connect, I really want to have this moment where we like come together, whether it's like after like some time, but I want to have a moment where we come together and we're excited to learn about each other's day or there's some curiosity there about, hey, like what happened today? Like, what did you learn today? What was something exciting about today? And that's something that my previous partners didn't embody, which is okay. Like that's, that's all right. But I have realized that I really want that because why are you in a relationship in the first place? If you don't want to come together and grow together and learn about what makes the other person tick or what did they learn that day or what inspired them? I'm not saying I need this 24 seven, but just that curiosity, that spark, that interest I didn't get in my previous relationships. And maybe that was because I didn't initiate those conversations, Mm -hmm. but I realized like I want that. And in terms of other behaviors that I wouldn't put up with it's my own it's the behaviors of not continuing to nourish nurture that learning about myself like I really love to write and create and dance Mm -hmm. and I've realized that when I start relationships those kinds of things would go to the wayside because there's this new exciting thing that I get to indulge in and be a part of. And so, yeah, just making sure that those things that I was doing to be excited about with myself, to continue doing those things while you're meeting somebody else new, that's also exciting. Yeah. It's so interesting because I've talked about how before when I was first starting to online date after being in two back-to-back relationships, I spread myself so thin. I know I sound like a broken record. I said that so many times on this podcast, but I feel like the time when I lost my hobbies was when I wasn't in a relationship and I was like trying to find that person because this doesn't sound sexy, but part of me was like, it's a numbers game. And like, I can't say no to this date. Like, what if he's the one? So I completely understand wanting to prioritize your own interests. For me, that came at a different stage, the deprioritization. And part of the reason why I think I didn't succumb to losing myself in a relationship is not because I'm above that. Honestly, I think it's pretty natural, especially when you're in the honeymoon phase, to just want to spend all of your time with somebody. But 
in one of my relationships, I feel like the other person didn't want to spend that much time together. Like they had clearer boundaries around the time that we would hang out. And it's fine because I'm actually a very independent person, I would say. But it was to a point where even myself as an independent person was kind of like, all right, I feel like we could amp this up a little bit. And then the person I dated immediately after that didn't live in LA. So there was no way for me to just like get sucked up into hanging out with them all the time because we only had these really distinct periods of time. But I will say when we were in each other's cities, like if he came up for the weekend, I wouldn't like work out that day. Cause it's like, Oh, I just want to like lay in bed and like hang out. Even though it's like, Hey, that's important to me. But I think it was also our time is so limited. So I just want to do whatever you want to do and like spend the time together. And since we weren't working out together, then it's like, okay, I just won't work out until you leave. Yeah. Like things like that. Yeah, totally. I get that. Yeah. It's also interesting because I have never lived with a boyfriend. And so (laughs) what you describe about wanting to connect at the end of the day, something that's so important, but I literally have never really thought about (laughs) it except for the one period of time when I was like with my ex for five days straight and we were both like working the same event. And so that was the one period where I kind of got a glimpse into like, oh, this is what it would be like to live with someone. But yeah, I've never had to consider what is our dynamic when we both come home from a long day of work, which is, it seems like very short-sighted as I'm saying it out loud, but it's so interesting. My mom's voice comes to mind about you shouldn't live with someone until (laughs) after you're married. And I, I don't know, I'm still figuring out what, what I prefer to live with someone before you're engaged or you should even live with someone before you get married. I remember you talked about this in another podcast and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be open, but if you do live with someone, just know that you need to nurture that excitement, that curiosity, because then you become roommates and that's not very romantic or sexy. (laughs) And it's important to have that, I think in a relationship and to continue to nurture that intimacy, that physical chemistry. And when you live with someone, it clearly goes by the wayside. Okay, so this is a tangent, but now that we're on this topic, I have one follow-up question. How did your mom react when you (laughs) told her you were living with a boyfriend since she's so against it? Well, I waited three weeks after I actually moved in (laughs) to tell her, and she took it really well. My mom Bless her heart. She's very open-minded. I don't think she loved it, but because it had already been three weeks, she couldn't do anything <laughs> yeah, about it. You can't break the leash. She was right. <laughs> she, but she was like, okay, I trust you. You can, it's okay. I, I believe in you. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Thank you. After Aww. the 20 minute of anxiety and worry <laughs> that you just brought on me, I'm glad yeah. that you realize now you have no choice. But, <laughs> Um, now that I forced your hand. For sure. She was she was okay. She's a trooper. Mm-hmm. So but clearly it didn't work out great. So <laughs> Yeah, did she like come back and say, I told you so? Kind of. Aww. No, no, not really. Not really. But she the other day she told me something and it kind of I was like, Mom, where do you go? It's very old school. She's like, I don't think that you should travel with someone before you're engaged to them. And I was like, what? What was her reasoning? I I think it's just more of that old school, just her background. They, they grew up in Iran. It's, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. You have to ask her. But what I do know is I think that living with someone and traveling with someone, you get to know them 
on another level. Mm -hmm. So I think those things are important to have before you get married. Uh, we'll see about that. But I know you're on the fence of let's live together after we get married, right? After we get engaged. After you, oh, after you get yeah, engaged. because it's like, okay, it's not ideal. And I, this sounds so cynical, but I'm like, okay, let's say someone had a deal breaker and you decided to break up. Yeah, it's not ideal, but it's at least you're not getting divorced. I do think it's important to live with someone before you get married. Also... I don't know. I think that, well, there's a lot to it. It's like I've said before, it's clearly not a religious thing for me. I'm not extremely religious. So it's not like a why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free. Yeah. For me, I like the idea of when you enter this new stage of your relationship, it feels different. Okay. I know that's not the case for everyone. I've had multiple friends who live with their partners and they are doing wonderful. So I'm not saying that that doesn't work for other people. Also, I think I'm coming from a place of naivety because I've never experienced it myself. <laughs> but like, I, I just think that there's something really nice about being like, now we're engaged and we're living together rather than it being like, we're engaged. And that like, it's the same as it always was. So that's part of it. But then to the reason why I would do it before getting married, I feel like, oh my God, after I get married, I feel like planning a wedding is so stressful. Do I then want to like continue that stress with like now okay well we have to find a place to live or you have to like fit all your stuff in my place or vice versa and like merge our lives it's like no I'd rather our lives be merged together and we can just kind of like relax after the wedding and also the fact that I think it's important to see what the person is like before you say I do and commit to a lifetime with them but like I mentioned on one of my former episodes I do think that even after just five days of quote unquote living with an ex and kind of being like oh it is like really nice to see this person at the end of a day and connect even if it's just for an hour before we part ways that made me more open to it than I had ever been in the past so who knows maybe after the right relationship comes around I'll totally change my mind it's not set in stone totally I feel the same way about that I also want to be surprised and delighted by myself and see what feels right what mm -hmm. feels right with the person but I think living together before getting married could have its benefits for sure. Mm -hmm. I will say I'm loving living alone so much. And there was a period of time when I thought I would never live alone. I literally told my mom, like I had to live alone because of an internship for like three weeks one summer while I was at UCLA. And I was like, I hate it so much. I was like, I'm going to have a roommate and then I'm going to get engaged and I'm never going to live alone again. I said that and I fully believed it. And yeah, that is not the case. I mean, I feel like normally outside of COVID times, I have just such a full life that it's nice to come back and have your own space. So that's not to say I want to prolong this as long as possible, but to say I'm really grateful that I've had this opportunity to have this time to myself before I move in with anyone, whether it's pre or post engagement. Absolutely. And I feel that when we meet the man of our dreams, which I believe we will, It'll feel great when we live together. We can have our spaces. We can come together and have fun. And I think it'll all fit well into our lives because we deserve that. Mm -hmm. We deserve a fantastic relationship. And that includes one where you're excited to go from not living with someone to living with someone. And when you're living with someone, you still feel like you can both give each other space to explore mm -hmm your continued individual growth. Uh, and this is the last thing I'll say, because it's obviously not a cohabitation podcast, but another thing which I don't know if I've ever explicitly stated here is that I feel like sometimes 
from outside relationships, I feel like sometimes people will move in because it's like the logical next step. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, my lease is ending, so we should just like move in together. We're at each other's places all the time. I don't ever want it to be like a logical thing to do. I want it to be a romantic thing to do. And I also had this fear previously that sometimes relationships move forward just because it's like, okay, well, what next? And so I'm like, okay, well, do I want to get engaged? Because it's like, oh, well, we already live together. And like, so what next? And it's like, I guess we should get married. No, I want it to be the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I really like want to spend the rest of my life with you. And it's separate from, okay, this is the next step on the list of things to do. And I feel like if your lives are kind of independent, there's something very sexy about coming to that realization that you want to spend the rest of your life with this person outside of it being just the next step in the relationship checklist. I love that. To me, that inspires the idea that every milestone should be like something romantic and sweet. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's lovely because those are like special moments in life. And I, I love that. I want, I want more romance in every milestone. Yeah, it's so hard, too, because I do feel like I am a relatively practical person overall. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to balance that practicality with the romance because it's like, okay, but it's impractical to decide that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone if you haven't lived with them. I get that. But I don't know. I still can't really shake that for some reason. I, I hear you on that. Yeah, I guess it just has to do with what do you want out of your relationship? I want the right balance of practicality and romance. I would say 70% 70% romance, 30% practicality, mm-hmm. but hopefully that's a good balance. Who knows? We'll see. That sounds right to me. Right? To your point, good I wild. think it's, you kind of have to experiment. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Maybe it's 50-50. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So going back to something you said earlier about mm. things that you took from past relationships, you mentioned that there were things that you wanted to improve upon yourself. And I know we touched upon that briefly, but I wanted to hear more about like, what are those things? Like, how do you feel like you have grown from relationship to relationship? Yeah, I think self-love. Self-love comes to mind. Self-adoration, knowing your worth, knowing what you bring to the table. I think that was something that I was definitely lacking was what does Laylee bring to the table? And I bring a lot to the table. We all do. And it's so important to realize that and to honor that and to celebrate that. And I'm grateful to have had the time to really celebrate that within myself and to know all of that. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think it's so much easier to have a healthy relationship when you're coming from a place of valuing yourself and putting your needs first. Your partner's needs are important. But I forget who gave this analogy recently. And I was like, this is so perfect. It's like when you're on an airplane and they're going through the safety video and they're like, don't put on your child's mask Mm -hmm. until your mask is on first. And it's like, yeah, you can't help someone else or like fully be there for someone else if you're lacking in your own life. So it's like you have to lift yourself up first and then you can fully lift up your partner and be there for them. So I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. A girlfriend once told me that the guy should be like, the icing on the cake and I'm grateful. I've got a freaking awesome cake. I've got amazing friends like you. I've got an awesome career, amazing family, awesome hobbies that nurture my soul. And 
Yeah, that guy want a delicious icing on the cake. They should be the icing on the cake. Yes, exactly. They can't be the base. And <laughs> it's like no one wants to date someone who is like batter. It's like you want them to be a fully formed cake. <laughs> For sure. That goes both sure. ways. So it's like when you have this like delicious cake to present and you're like, well, mm-hmm. look at this, then the right partner is going to be like, damn, she has it going on. Like, how can I incorporate myself into this? But no one wants to come in and it's like, oh my God, it's a mess. Like her apron is covered in flour. Like the oven is still preheating. I'm like rambling now, but like, I just love that analogy so much. Thank you for building on it. I thought it was great. No, for sure. I love it. Yes. So... Obviously, now you're very intentional about building yourself up and self-love, but I'm curious, have you had any thoughts or revelations about, like, why in the past we might settle for less than we deserve? Yes. Achiever mindset. You want to get that box checked off. You want to be like, oh, I am also married and I figured it out. Also, I think this happens in a lot of cultures But, you know, that's always the first question. Who are you dating? And Mm -hmm. it's not, what else is going on in your life? What hobbies are you doing? So, yeah. It's so true. And there was an episode of Sex in the City where they were at brunch, as they always are. Miranda gets really pissed and she storms off. And she's just like, I literally can't believe that all we have to talk about is guys. I'm paraphrasing. But that was the gist. It's like... So often conversations, even with our friends who have the best intentions for us, center around relationship status. And it can be frustrating if there are other areas of your life that are so developed and that you're so proud of, but your relationship status is really like one of the things that defines you. For sure. And it shouldn't. Yeah. But we have some things to unlearn and slowly but surely that was unlearned in me so yeah yeah i love that so much and i know we have kind of talked about the fact that sometimes unhealthy qualities can be attractive and i'd love to talk about why that is and i feel like there's kind of a taboo around it but would love to hear more about your experience with that your thoughts about that like the mystery man that you don't know anything about Mm -hmm. And why is that so attractive? I mean, we all know that. Mystery can be attractive to many women, I feel. It's very sexy. and But also, I remember a therapist once told me, she's like, but it's also like this really nice car, but then if you open up the hood and it's like complete crap inside <laughs> of it. And so, yeah, mystery could, could lead to that. But you want to keep the curiosity going. I think that's always attractive about it too. What else? What about you? What are some unhealthy qualities that you've recognized? Gosh. So I don't necessarily want to like jump to say that this is something I attribute to myself, but I think in the broader scheme, and I'll get to what has attracted me specifically later, but I feel like it really depends on your attachment style. And I have yet to read the book Attached, but I feel like I've read so many articles and listened to so many podcasts about it, and it's high on my reading list. I just think it's so interesting because I think if you have a fully secure attachment style, then that is not attractive to you. You want someone who's emotionally available. You're like, I'm emotionally available. I don't have time to put up with this BS. I think if you have an insecure attachment style, I think that's the right 
classification, then I don't think that the secure attachment style is attractive because I think you're just not used to it. You're not comfortable with it. It makes you question things. So it's just so interesting and sad, but I think avoidant attachment styles where to give a brief description of what that is. The person who is not emotionally available and will pull away because they aren't looking for that commitment, I feel like those people often end up with the insecure attachment styles where they need someone to constantly validate that they're still into them. And it's like those are so polar opposite and yet I feel like they end up together so often and it's just such a recipe for disaster because it's then the insecure person making the avoidant person feel smothered and then the insecure person also feeling like they have to constantly clamor for this attention and validation. So I feel like a lot of what makes it appealing is your attachment style, unfortunately. And so I'm really excited to read more about that and to kind of learn more about what leads certain people to have certain attachment styles and how you can break out of that because I really don't know. I feel like that requires so much unlearning and probably a lot of therapy and self-reflection. But I think that is at its core what it is. So what's a healthy relationship? What should two people have? Is it secure and secure? I think too secure. Too and secure. so usually I would imagine the secure people gravitate towards each other. And yeah. so all the leftovers are the people who still have a lot of things to work through. And then it just leads to a lot of unhealthy relationships. Because if you have a secure attachment style, I don't think you would really put up with either of those right. extremes. You'd be like, I know my worth. And I need someone who isn't going to smother me, but I also need someone who's not going to make me wonder if they're really into me and who pulls away every time we make progress in our relationship. For sure. That word secure, secure within ourself is something that I'm also trying to nurture. We hear the word self-love so much. So let's dive into what that really feels like, at least from my perspective. And it means like you're secure within yourself. You trust yourself and that gets built over time and caring for yourself and being there for yourself and giving yourself compassion and forgiveness and grace and embodying a growth mindset, which means like there's no room for perfectionism in growth mindset, by the way. I always say that I'm a recovering perfectionist, which comes from feeling, at least for me, if I'm not perfect, then I'm not worthy, which is silly. Because no one's perfect. Because no one's perfect. And when others are imperfect, I still love them just the same. And so having that same unconditional love for myself too. But yeah, feeling secure. I love that. I love that you brought that up because it's so important to nurture that feeling of security within self. That feels really good. Yeah. So to dive into like a more personal reason why I think sometimes you might accept behavior that's less than ideal. So for me, we talked about there was someone who I dated who I never felt 100% comfortable with. And I didn't even know that. I don't know if I could have articulated that until I dated the next person. And I was like, oh, I felt comfortable with him like immediately. And I was like, wow, I feel like I achieved a level of comfort with this person in a much shorter period of time than I ever achieved with this one relationship. So I think that part of it was, okay, I feel like I don't have this level of comfort. And there's part of you that feels like you need to prove yourself to this person. 
And I, I don't want to put this on the other person. It's not like it was an emotionally abusive relationship where he would like say things to put me down or actively try to make me not feel good enough. I think part of it honestly stemmed from our history, like without getting too deep into it, we had a longer history where it was kind of like on and off. And I think because it started off tumultuous and it wasn't like, oh, I'm 100% in from the beginning. I think part of that made me question like, oh, well, like, does he want to be with me? And so then when we were together, I think I was still holding on to some of those residual feelings. I don't know. So I think that part of it is like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really struggling with how to word this. I think that history just played into it. And so even when we were in a relationship, I still had a little bit of insecurity around it, which I shouldn't have. And I also think part of it is a desire to make it work because... You know, some people are serial monogamists and they're like always in a relationship. I'm not that person and I don't even want to be that person. It's like I have met a lot of people. I could have been in more relationships, but they weren't the right relationship. So when I do meet the person who I'm like, I can see a future with you. I think I come at it from a perspective of I want to make this work because it doesn't come around very often. And so I just think it makes it easier to overlook bad behaviors. I I hear that. And I feel like everything that we've been through has helped us get closer to what we really want and what we need. And that's a good learning that you had with that guy. And now you know what comfort feels like too. Yeah. That's really important. So I think that transitions really well because I was going to say now going forward, feeling comfortable with someone and feeling like I can be myself is something that I value above anything else. And not that I didn't value it in the past. It was just something I didn't actively consider. But I think after going from a relationship where I never felt that 100% comfort and then I did feel 100% comfortable pretty quickly, that has brought that to the forefront. So what are some other things that you now value because of your past relationship experience that you might not have considered before? Great question. Being able to talk through things that are bothering you Mm -hmm. in a really healthy and productive way where it starts off to people that are vulnerable and open and then it turns into an opportunity for growth so that's something that I realize I value and and it's hard it's hard to have those conversations but if you do them early then I think that's a healthy place to start. In my past relationships, I think that I didn't have the emotional intelligence, the maturity, the experience, the understanding of self to be able to share things that that bothered me in a healthy way. And then I wouldn't share and then they would build and then I would be so upset with how it would turn out because I wasn't my best self. And that really hurts. That really hurts when you're disappointed with yourself and to see yourself in a light. And so from that, I've learned my lesson the hard way to express what your needs are, what your wants are in a healthy way and early. Mm -hmm. And if that person can have a dialogue with you that helps you grow and helps the relationship grow, boom, there you go. And if it doesn't go that way, then that's a a data point, which isn't sexy. It's a data (laughs) point to tell you that's not the right relationship. So Mm -hmm. yeah, expressing needs early on and having the courage to do so. Because if you don't, 
I think you only hurt yourself. You're so right. And I feel like there's this pressure to be, like, the cool girl. And for me, I feel like because I describe myself and others describe me as someone who's like, oh, she's, like, chill and, you know, she doesn't get offended easily and whatever. I wanted to carry that into relationships, too. And it's like, I don't need to, like, talk about what this is. It'll happen when it happens. And I think there's also a misconception that I had where it's like, oh, well, if you act like you're just cool with whatever, then it'll like make them more interested. Maybe that's true. But like, I don't know. I don't think that's the healthy way to go about things. Even if it works in hindsight, I'm kind of like, no, I think you just need to kind of like bring it up right away. And so to give a recent story, the last person I dated, I was like, okay, he knows who I am. He's known me for a couple months now. So normally I wouldn't initiate any conversation about like, well, what's going on? Yeah. But I was just kind of like, I've already gone through this before. I'm not going to wait around and see what this is. And so I made plans to meet up with him and it wasn't under the pretense of like, we need to talk. It was just like, let's get dinner. And so I told myself, I'm going to figure out what the deal is. But again, because I'm so conflict diverse, it doesn't come naturally to me. And it's so awkward. And so we went to dinner. I didn't bring it up. And we had a lot of other things to talk about. It wasn't like there were plenty of times when I should have brought it up. Like the conversation flowed. I was like, okay, okay. And then I go back to his place and I was like, I'm going to bring it up here. And then we were like making out and we're like starting to hook up. And podcast listeners wouldn't know this because it's not a visual medium, but my face is extremely expressive. I think I've tamped it down a little bit, but he looks at me. He's like, what are you thinking about? Because clearly my mind was like racing elsewhere. And it was like a weekend when work was so crazy. So he's like, are you thinking about work right now? Which I would get like, that would be offensive if like we're supposed to be focusing on each other and focusing on work. And I was like, no. And in reality, what I was thinking of was like, you should have brought up what are we doing before you got to this point where you're like making out with him. And so then I was like, well, he asked. So if you don't ask now, it's never going to happen. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I just want to know like where your head is at. And later he, he was like, I literally can't believe you asked that in that moment. Like I would have lied. And I was like, you asked. And yeah, I was struggling with it. I'd wanted to ask it before. And it ended up being a productive discussion. We decided to be exclusive. So was it the smoothest strategy? No, it wasn't. But it was good practice. Like, okay, maybe next time, like bring it up earlier on, <laughs> not in that scenario. But I think it's just something that I have to actively work on until it is not at a point where someone has to literally read my face and be like, do you want to ask me something? <laughs> yeah. And that's great that that life experience showed you that I'm proud of you. And I'm and the right guy, even if it's in the wrong time. <laughs> He'll respond positively and I'm glad he did. So yeah, life experience teaches you, not words. So I'm proud of your life experiences and your desire to want to work on that. Baby steps. Right? (laughs) Okay. So I think that's also a great transition because I know I've said on this podcast before, like I've never dated someone exclusively who I've met on the apps. My first three boyfriends post-college, they were all people I met organically in person in a variety of ways. But that person who I recently talked about, he was the one exception. So we're not dating now, but it's like, I finally found this relationship from someone who I met on Hinge. And I was like, wow, okay, cool, it can happen. And so I bring it up because I feel like I 
accidentally catfished you. <laughs> and what I mean by that is Laylee and I were hanging out and I was telling her and our other friends about this guy for the first time. And so the question comes up of like, how did you meet? And I was like, we met on Hinge. So I know that you said that me meeting someone on the apps was like this great motivation for you to get on the apps. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm not with that person anymore. But anyway, I'm glad that we met at a time when that did happen because I'm glad that it got you on the apps. And I would love to dive into what your experience has been like so far. Oh, girl, let's do it. I've been productive and it's only been two months. So Okay, productive is an understatement because also to give context, <laughs> like Laylee had a date for the next morning, the same night that she downloaded the app. I was like, Damn. Not surprising. She's a catch, but I'm just like, wow. Like the fact that you set up your profile and started messaging people, I feel like for most people, it's like, okay, like, let me pick a few photos, but like, I'm not going to talk to anyone yet. And it's like a couple days before you really get things going, but you hit the ground running. I was ready to go and it hadn't connected with, this is weird to say, male energy, like men in a while so I was like this is so much fun this is exciting I mean again COVID you're like eight months into like not really connecting with other humans other (laughs) than your friends via FaceTime or Zoom and so it was fun to to connect with male energy and it was exciting I think as it always is for everyone when they first join the apps they're good whatever they're doing they it's (laughs) like they give you a real good fix when you join the app I mean, you get all the most attractive people up front. Like my friend Chris Best talked about this on his episode, The Science of Swiping. It's like they just front load all the most attractive people. And so I think that's great because if you just saw the whole gamut of people when you first joined, I think a lot of people would be discouraged. But I think you need to see, oh my God, look how many eligible bachelors there are out there who could be my next partner or who could at the very least be a fun flirtation or a great first date. Absolutely. There are a lot of good looking, attractive people in the world. And I'm glad that it encouraged me. It encouraged me a lot. And then as you continue your journey, as I was telling you earlier, you may get discouraged, but whether that means you're going to meet someone on there or not, I think it helps you learn. And I try to look at it as how is this going to help me grow and hopefully help others grow as well. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of voiced over some of my thoughts about online dating and I don't want to put words into your mouth. Are there any specific hesitations that you had before you actually signed up? Like what was preventing you from online dating before we had our discussion? Society's thought of me that you met someone on an online dating app probably. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. No, but also I've always... Have you heard of the meet cute? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you you want to meet someone organically. Yeah, I think the main thing was I wanted to allow the universe. I know that sounds woo woo. I wanted to allow the universe to bring me to the right person. With that said, I feel like I joined the online dating game at the right time for me. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the opportunity to connect with men and to learn more about myself by connecting with them. Would it be better if it was in person? Yeah, maybe, but this is the times we live right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm embracing it and it's a lot of fun. 
just have to keep yourself encouraged. Sometimes you get a little discouraged because you're like, wait, I'm really excited about this guy. He's really cute. Mm -hmm. And then you build this story up about him, which I'm learning not to do in the future, Mm -hmm. but then you meet in person and you're like, wait, you, (sighs) okay, let's give this a try. And it doesn't turn out the way that you hoped for. And then you do that like over and over again. And I'm learning a lot about myself and being there for myself or what comes up, the triggers that come up, like impatience is coming up. Mm -hmm. And yeah. When you say impatience, do you mean impatience on your side to meet someone? Impatience on the guy's side? Impatience that stems from, okay, I think I found the guy. I think this is great. I'm ready to go. This is fantastic. And then it's not that person. And so maybe it's not even about impatience, but just like an accepting of like that process that like you might get excited. Maybe you shouldn't get excited and take it easy and don't get too excited because <laughs> clearly it's not take serving it me. <laughs> I need to take it a little easy. It's so hard. And this other podcast <laughs> that I listen to, they have this term, which I think is so funny, but it really makes so much sense. They always describe it as emotional masturbation where you're like just allowing yourself to I don't know, build this fantasy. And it's not sexual, like you said. It's about who this person is and how they're going to fit into your life and what you're going to do together in your future. But it is still, at its core, a fantasy. But I just want to say, like, everyone does it, clearly. I mean, if this other podcast created a whole term about it, it's not like it's something that's unique to you. It is just really hard not to do when you do meet someone who you're excited about. I don't do it often, but it's like, if I meet someone who I like, of course it's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. I'm giving myself grace for the fantasies that I develop in my mind. And when those fantasies end abruptly to move on to the next one, right? Yeah. And, And you learned and you're like, okay, how can I make the next fantasy better. Something I'm working on is just bringing less seriousness, more play, Mm -hmm. more fun into this journey of finding or allowing the right person into your life. And it is really important. I have to say it's one of the most important things to me is to find that right person. But this sounds really cheesy, but the right person is, is yourself. And then, uh, you know, So I feel like now we can kind of dive into like the fun parts of online dating. So as you were setting up your profile, like what were some of the things that you set up as your initial preferences? You know, like the basics, like, okay, what's their age? Like how far away do they live? And then what were some of the deeper things that you looked for in terms of, do you gravitate towards certain careers or certain family plans, religions? Like we'd love to just hear all of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So preferences, age I started, so I'm 30 years old. I think I put 29 to 36, 37, 38 to Mm -hmm. start with. But honestly, Leslie, I want to be open to it all. I'm finding that guys who are older, I'm attracted to more. Not to say that there hasn't been a 37-year-old guy, for example, not thinking of anyone in particular who acted like they were like that they were younger. So age ain't anything but a number is something that we can all relate to, I'm sure. And then, yeah, preference for height was there. I definitely wanted someone taller, but 
as I mentioned earlier, like it's not really about the height. It's about maybe like just having some meat on your bones and having this figure that embraces my femininity and your masculinity. Other preferences, I think I was open to everything else. And in terms of what I've gravitated towards from their (laughs) profile, education to me is really Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. I also... Religion, I put as spiritual, but I'm open to everything when it comes to religion and spirituality and their wittiness, the way they answer the questions Mm -hmm. that like stands out to me. You can get to know their humor a bit. Yeah, I would say those are some things that come to mind. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of parallels in what you look for and what I look for. It's funny because every time I actively been on the apps I've always set my lowest preference for age to one year below me as Mm -hmm. well none of the people who I've been in a relationship with have been younger than me they have all been within like a couple of months older than me to two and a half years older than me my preference in terms of the upper end of age has always been older than that the last time that I was on the apps I think it was probably like my max was 36 or 37 similar to you Maybe I'm immature. I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm not like matching with these older people. I don't know. I remember I went on one date when I was like 27 or 28 with a guy who was 35, but he was an old 35 and he looked weathered and we also just weren't a good match. So there was, that was the bigger thing. It wasn't the age. It wasn't his looks. It was like, we really weren't going to align. Our lifestyles were too different. And I wasn't attracted to him because of his personality, but that was the biggest age gap. And so I was like, that wasn't a good introduction to dating someone like eight years older than you. And then I think that summer I met this guy, I didn't date him, but it was a friend of a friend and he was 35. And I was like, damn, like he's hot. Like we seem to align a lot in terms of our interests and He seems like a young 35. So to your point, I think age is nothing but a number. I'll also say my mom is single. She doesn't date much, but she will meet some people sometimes. And I think I might've mentioned this on a previous episode. She met this guy who was about her age, probably a year or two off. And he, at the time was like, I'm not looking for a serious relationship. And I was like, what the hell? You're like 60 years old. So goes to show that you can meet a mature person who's younger than you, mm-hmm. or you can meet a guy who's older and technically should be more mature and ready to settle down, but isn't. You just never know. Yeah, totally. I've had the whole... I've had an older guy who I was like, wow, you're not very mature for your age. And I've had younger guys who are extremely mature. Mm -hmm. So what I'm learning is being open to everything, you know, and just really connecting with that person and seeing, is there that spark, which you can't really tell until you meet them physically in person. I've had FaceTimes with guys from the app and I'm like, oh, I really... I'm digging this guy, but until like they're in front of you, you really can't gauge your spark with someone accurately, I feel. Mm-hmm. Although to that point, I've been screening like an interview. <laughs> I'm screening them with a phone conversation or FaceTime, but it, was that your experience or are you open to meeting someone on the dating app and then just meeting in person as like the first time you've heard their voice or connected with them? in person. So one of my earlier episodes, my friend Megan Ladd, she was finding your stage five clinger part one. 
she way before coronavirus would only go on a date with someone after she FaceTimed them. And I never thought that was crazy. It was just something I'd never done. So I was like, it's hard to fathom that. Now I think we're in an age where that is becoming more and more common. And I know I've also said this before on the podcast, but the last boyfriend I had, we had a FaceTime date before we met. And that was the first time that I had ever FaceTimed someone before I met them. So typically I feel like it's fine to just meet up with them. I will say that my strategy towards dating was more laissez-faire when I first started. And I was kind of like, worst case scenario, you go to a fun bar and like get drinks and like, even if it's bad, you have like a funny story. Like, which I would love to say is just optimistic. In hindsight, that's a very naive view. So I think that's why I was kind of like, whatever, I'll just meet up with them. Now, I would say after that first time where I FaceTimed this person and then met up with them, what I learned from that is that it's can be helpful in ruling people out, but it can also be helpful in forging a stronger connection. Because I remember before I spoke to this person, I was, I was kind of whatever about him, if I'm being honest, like not because of anything bad, but it was hard for me to get a sense of like his full personality over text. So I was like, okay, I mean, I don't, I like this guy enough to not blow him off. So even though I was so busy, I was too busy to meet up with him on dates for the first days that he had suggested. And I was like, okay, let's FaceTime. And after the FaceTime, I was like, wow, like it wasn't anything crazy. It was like a 40 minute conversation. He was cooking dinner at the time, but first of all, I was like, oh, he looks like he did in those like two really cute pictures. And it was just very natural. And I think how we discussed someone making you feel comfortable early on, I don't think that a FaceTime date is at its core a comfortable experience. I think it's more likely to be awkward than not. So the fact that it was just so easy to talk to him for those 40 minutes, it made me more interested. So going forward, I would say that after I get back on the apps, I think my approach will be to try and FaceTime. One good thing maybe about COVID is that it's normalized that a little bit because I think that before coronavirus, people might've been like, what? Like, I don't want to do that. I think as millennials, like we're a little averse to talking on the phone, let alone on FaceTime with a stranger. So I'm hoping that this can kind of move forward as something that people practice regularly. Just, I don't know. So Not only so you can weed people out, but so that you can also get some of the small talk out of the way and get a better sense for their vibe so you feel more comfortable and you have more fun when you finally meet them in person, if you do. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. It's definitely helped build the foundation before you meet the person in person if you decide to move it that far. It's weird to me, Leslie, there's some guys that... When I tell them like, hey, I want to like talk on the phone or FaceTime you before I meet you, some of them are like, I'm not interested in that. And I'm like, why wouldn't you be open to that? Especially yeah. in these times of yeah. COVID times. Especially like, now, yeah. I'm shocked that people are pushing back. Still. Totally. And then also gives me a data point mm-hmm. about your personality that you won't get on a FaceTime to talk with me. That's a need that I'm expressing to you. And if you can't even fulfill that, then... Great. Thank you for letting me know and letting me see you. But it's weird to me that some guys are not okay with it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's good to know that they're so rigid early Mm -hmm. on, honestly. For sure. Yeah. 
So after you kind of have these guys who make it through the preferences that you're looking for, as you're starting these conversations, like what's been your experiences with the opening lines? Like how often do you initiate? How often do they initiate? What works in terms of continuing conversation versus like what's a conversation killer? So Hinge has an Instagram page and they joked about how people, how girls and guys don't want to initiate the conversation. So I'm trying to practice initiating the conversation if I like someone. And yeah, you can see what the chemistry is if your conversation already starts engaging. And the conversations have been pretty good on the dating apps, but I want to have a phone conversation and see what this really is because I feel like I've had amazing conversations and then I'll get on a phone call with someone and wow, hearing their voice. I think that's another thing, Leslie, is someone's Mm -hmm. voice is something that's also like attractive. I'm sure there's some scientific uh, background about this, but the way that you speak, like how quickly you talk or whatever, you just like get a sense of someone. So to your question though, how are the conversations? They're good. They, it's like a little bit of small talk. Tell me about your job. What kind of music do you like listening to? But it's kind of like, not always the most exciting. There's been a couple of conversations where they've been really entertaining or engaging. And then hopefully it gets to the next point. Oh, what distinguished those conversations from the others? I would say talking about personal growth. Like if someone Aww. really wants to talk about things that make me tick or things that help you live a more meaningful life. I love those conversations. I'm like, yeah, let's get deep. Let's mm-hmm. talk about like how this year has actually helped us grow as individuals. Like those are the conversations that stand out to me where it starts to get into more meaningful dialogue and what we can teach one another about like living a happier life. I know that sounds super cheesy, but those are the things that are like matter to me. And also Mm -hmm. obviously what kind of music you like listening to. I feel like I'm really biased towards that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think this is maybe one of the things that we differ on the most because all the things you're describing are important to me as well. If I don't know you, like, if I haven't met you and you're trying to talk about this on the app, I'm like, you. <laughs> I hate that. I don't know. Hate is a strong word. I think part of it is I am a little more closed off, to be honest. I feel like it takes a little bit more for me to open up about certain things. And I hate the conversations where it's like, what do you do for work? What did you do this weekend? Yeah, unless, like, maybe I had something really fun happen this weekend. But usually, especially at these times... No, it's not going to be anything that groundbreaking. I like the conversations where it's a little more jokey and lighthearted and we have like a good fun banter, even if it means we don't get into anything serious at all. I just kind of like to see what the banter is. And then after maybe a few dates, if I'm like, I like you and I really value what you have to say, then I want to get into the deep stuff. I think part of it is I'm like, Okay, do we even align on these things? Like, do I want to express my worldview about this deep thing? If we might be on entirely different pages, and I don't even know if I really, like, respect what you have to say because I don't know you. And because it's harder for me to open up about things like that, I think it just feels 
forced and it doesn't feel sexy. I think you're a very open person and you're an open book and I love that and I admire that. And again, one of my goals in the new year is to be more transparent and more vulnerable. So maybe that will change a few months down the line. I want to learn more about the banter. I agree with you. I want more of that flirty banter that like back and forth where it feels fun and flirty and I'm sure I've experienced it, but Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I want to bring less seriousness to the conversation. And yeah, talking about life can be serious a little bit, but I'm excited to have that banter with someone. And I am looking for that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just very attractive. And it's not always indicative of a good match. But at the very least, it does make me feel like, oh, we'll have a fun date. Although I will say, Mm -hmm. there was one date I went on and it was... This year, we had good banter. I feel like he was very clever and very punny and witty. And then we met up and I was like, oh my God, like, where did all of that go? I'm not attracted to you. You're so awkward. This really didn't come across. So maybe it's a balance of both. You know, I think you need to ask some of those deeper questions because maybe then if we got to something more deep, I would have learned more about like some of the idiosyncrasies that came out on our first date. But yeah, I'll just say it's not foolproof, but that is something that attracts me and that I'm kind of looking for before we get into that deeper level of conversation. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that. Yeah. So what has been your experience with the guys that you've gone out with so far? Like, what have you learned in the short couple of months that you've been on the apps again? I've learned a lot. I've been on quite a few dates. I've met quite a few men, which... Thank you, men. Thank you for coming into my life because it's been a lot of fun. It's been really eye-opening. Something that I'm looking for is the right amount of goofiness Mm -hmm. and seriousness and maturity. Like, I like someone who can be silly and goofy because I want, like, life to feel less serious. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels really serious. So I want you to be able to have both. And also, sometimes, guys, there was a guy I went on a walk with so funny his kind of flirting was it reminds you when you were a kindergartner and you know how like the boys would be mean to you mm-hmm. and that was their kind of way of like mm-hmm. showing that they liked you i mean no because no one liked me in kindergarten <laughs> but in theory yes i do know that <laughs> i don't even know if that happened to me in kindergarten but i feel like like boys like to mean. like yeah, pick on kidding. girls mm-hmm. Like, this guy I went on a walk with, he was kind of, like, a jerk, but that was his way of showing me that he liked me, and I was like, okay, <laughs> let me let me go along with this, and it was a good time, but I was like, I don't really want that either, so I'm understanding, okay, how much of uh, mystery do I need, you know, the right balance of goofiness and maturity, and I'm open to all cultures, so I'm, like, exploring, like, different cultures and how that will resonate with me. There was one guy, Leslie, there was one guy that (laughs) said he was 35 on the app. And I remember talking to him on the phone before we hung out. And I was like, hey, so you just had a birthday. So are you 36? He's like, no, I'm 35. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, what are you? Are you ageist? Um, I was like, no, I just, right. And I was like, no, I, I have, I have preferences, you know, I'm, and he was like, no, okay. And. So anyways, we ended up hanging out. And I remember when I saw him, I was like, there's something off about this guy. There's something (laughs) off about him. But I couldn't pinpoint it. And then later in the night, it comes out that he was 
Leslie was 45 years old. Okay, that is a huge difference. That's so different, right? Huge. So different. That makes me really upset. Like, no one should ever lie about their age, but 10 years? Totally. Totally. And... Listen, to all the 45-year-olds or older, it's fine. It's just the fact that you started our connection on you lying. And I yeah. asked him later, like, why didn't you just tell me? He's like, oh, I didn't want you to judge me. So ladies, watch out. Mm-hmm. Or men, watch out. I don't know. Do women lie True. about their age Good on the dating place. app? But that was awkward. So I ended up telling the guys I felt more of a friend connection with him. And that was my first time getting someone from the dating app who didn't take rejection Mm. well. Mm -hmm. And I also learned this from Hinge's Instagram about ghosting. And they, they, you know, encouraged you to be honest with the person. So I wanted to be honest with him. And he didn't take it well, Leslie. He like, first texted me i would bring up the text but i like deleted them because i was like this is toxic and i don't need this in my text messages he like put me down when i told him hey like i just see this as more of a friendship connection he put me down and i was like okay cool i'm glad i did enough work on myself so that i don't take this personally Mm -hmm. but that feels icky and then literally leslie like maybe 20 minutes later he then texted me after putting me down and like, whatever. He's like, hey, do you want to go on a trip to Mexico with me? I'll pay for the trip. Ew. And I'm like, what? Ew. What? Did he address that he needed to apologize for what he had said to you? That's the part that I'm so turned off by. He didn't even acknowledge that you put me down. You like spoke so poorly of me, which I didn't respond to. I was like, okay, I don't need to respond to that. But then just changes changes course and is like, hey, do you want to go to Mexico? And I will pay for this trip. So I didn't respond to that. And then he continued on with texting me like, hey, we can still be friends. I'm like, no, once you disrespect me, I don't need to engage in your energy. Like that's yeah. that's enough. So that was one of my breakups. <laughs> breakups from someone from the dating app. Most of the time when I tell someone, I mean, it's happened quite a few times where I'm like, hey, I feel more of a friendship connection. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they take it really well. I always get really scared to like look at their response yeah. if they do respond, mm-hmm. um, especially after that first guy who like didn't give me such a positive experience. But I feel like I want to give out the energy that I want to receive yes. and so give out the honesty. And there was one other guy we like had this FaceTime and it went pretty well. I was excited And then we were going to plan to hang out again, but I don't know. After I like sat with my feelings about it, I texted him and I was like, Hey, I, I don't feel, I feel like this is more of a friendship connection. And then he also gave me like some really like messed up like response where he like put me down. Like I like to share with people. I like to be vulnerable with them. And he like, took something I shared and put me down, which doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It stings. I actually think I shared that with you, Leslie, and it felt really good to connect with a friend and feel heard. And then you move on. It it stings for a little bit, but you move on. And so those are some of the things that I don't like about being on the dating apps because you do have to have those conversations after you connect with someone. And sometimes they don't take it as well, Mm -hmm. which doesn't feel really good. But, you know, it's part of it. It's part of being honest. Practicing radical honesty as a friend. And I like to practice just being, like, 
fully honest with yourself and with the other person. Yeah. And I think that's important. I also believe in putting out into the world what you hope to get back. And so I always think about how am I approaching dating? And if someone were to do this to me, how would I feel? And that's what I use to guide the way that I approach it. And I'm not going to say I'm infallible. I make mistakes and I do things that I would look back on and maybe say, oh, I could have handled it differently. But I, I always try to come at it from a place of being well-intentioned. So to your point, I don't think I've ever ghosted somebody, but I've experienced too, it's really hard to have those conversations and whether it's because they lash out or because they don't really take no for an answer. Like I've had early on, I met this guy in person, actually. This was like when I was significantly less mature. I might've actually been 21. I was 21, met this guy in person, went on two dates with him. And then I told him that I wasn't interested. And it was like, he just kept pursuing me and kept Facebook messaging me. It's really dating myself, but he Facebook messaged me all these things and followed up. And it was just like, I feel like I couldn't have been more clear. And ghosting wasn't really in the vernacular at the time. But if it were, I think my thought was, I was like, I understand why people ghost because I did this thing that was incredibly uncomfortable, had this uncomfortable conversation, and now I'm still being like actually kind of harassed by this guy. And so it would have been easier to like block him and never speak to him again than to like go through this and then have to try and continue this conversation and be like, no, I'm really not interested. So yeah, radical honesty isn't easy. It's the right thing to do. But I think that a lot of times other people don't make it easy on you. Yeah, for sure. And Just because they don't make it easy on me doesn't mean I don't want to continue to be a person who shares my truth and practice not taking things personally. Mm -hmm. And again, I can't say this enough too, is like having friends to support you through this journey. Like Leslie, what you've done for me, like just being able to share like, Hey, this guy sent me like a mean text message. (laughs) This kind of sucks. Luckily it didn't last long, but it's great to have a support system that you can like lean on and just share with. And feels really good. And also just to know it's like, this happens to everyone. So him lashing out about a specific thing about you, he does that because it's a targeted attack. That's going to make you feel bad. Like he knows what your weak point is. Mm -hmm. And So you're going to be like, oh my God, like this reflects on me. Mm -hmm. But knowing that a lot of guys lash out and even though it was something personal about you, if it was another girl who had rejected him, he probably would have lashed out about something specific to her. And so I think it's important to have those conversations and know that because it's happening to other people, you can really feel confident in the fact that it isn't a reflection on who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And girls lash out too, such as myself in the past. So I'm like, I get it. I'm like, I'm humbled by my lashing in my past so that I, I get hurt people hurt people. Yeah, Kind of cheesy, but it's true. You know, so. It's hard not to take things personally. I know. And we're human and sometimes we do. And so it won't last long, but it's, it's okay. Definitely. And I think it just helps put everything into perspective when you do that. Yeah. So I would love to dive into your most recent online dating experience because I feel like it really transitions well from what you were saying about taking things slow and how Mm -hmm. hard it can be to do that. A, when you're just excited about the person in general and B, when, like you mentioned earlier, you really have that end goal of being like, I want to find my person. And so when you've 
find someone who seems like they have that potential, of course, the instinct is to charge ahead and move forward, even if down the road you might realize like, okay, that wasn't the right person. So I'd love to hear about this most recent guy that you matched with and how he relates to that experience. So I met a wonderful man and I was so excited to see him. We had a really great conversations. We had some really interesting similarities about where we grew up and similar backgrounds. And he loved the same music I like to listen <laughs> to. He was well-traveled. I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. I'm like into this guy. I was really looking forward to hanging out with him. We ended up hanging out and more things about him came out that I was like, wow, like amazing, amazing similarities, same background. So we had a really great first date for the most part. There was some, for the most part, for the most part, there were some moments. Okay. (laughs) I want to honor the connection that we had because it did feel real in that moment, but he had expressed a desire to travel with me like on our first date and I was like whoa this is really cool this guy really likes me and he wants to travel with me so that achiever in me was like oh like this guy really wants to commit like this is exciting and then I kind of like turned it down because like I have other commitments I can't like go and travel with you this weekend he literally was like let's go travel somewhere I was like, this is really cool. This is really exciting. Who doesn't like that kind of attention? I mean, that sounds kind of unhealthy. I'm sure people are like, that sounds crazy. And then later on in the night, he ended up, again, this is sweet. He ended up deleting his Hinge profile. I am still not over that. And he explained two reasons why he did it. Basically, he was just trying to say like why it wasn't about me, which I was like, okay. And I didn't pressure him to do it, but I was like, okay, you're going to delete your hinge. He even like, he even like asked me like, you click the button. I was like, I'm not going to click this button. I, God. I, why is he involving you so much? Right. If, like if it's not about you, truly, then he, A, doesn't really need to tell you on the first date because I think a more self-aware person would realize like, yeah, I'm doing this for me. But if I were to say it, it seems crazy. And then going out of his way to involve you in the process, just negates his statement that it's not about you. That makes it seem like, oh, this is about you and I want you to sign off on this decision. Like if it's if it's something he wants to do independently, like why do you need to get involved? Yeah, for sure. And I I want to respect that individual and his journey. Cause like we've all done things that are cringy. Like I've done <laughs> true, many, true. many things that are cringy, but that was my experience. He deleted his hinge in front of me. I did, I wasn't, to be honest at that point, I was like, okay, like <laughs> cool. I don't even remember to be honest. If I said like, don't do that. But I was just kind of, I didn't say yes, do that. But yeah. I don't know if I said, no, don't do that. I was yeah. just kind of observing him go through his process. The next day we had plans to hang out and just slowly, but surely Leslie, I just started to realize this person isn't my person. And 
that sucks because you're like, yeah, like maybe this is such a great love story. The first time we hung out, he wanted to take me to Hawaii and mm-hmm. and he deleted his hinge. Like that sounds really cool. Like that could be a cool, maybe unhealthy, maybe dysfunctional <laughs> beginning of a love story. And so, yeah, after hanging out a second and then a third and last time, I realized I'm not attracted to this person on a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual level. He definitely has amazing qualities about him. And that lets me know that I'm closer. And also that I maybe need to chill out on a first date and not get, you know, overly excited. And so I'm still learning through this process. And No, no, I'm going to step in and I love how reflective you are. I love how much ownership you take over everything. I would say to your last statement, he needs to chill out. You can delete your app and invite him to Hawaii. Like that was all him. So yeah, you allowed yourself to see the potential in him, but I think that's just you seeing the best in a person. It's not you being extra. Like he was the one who was being extra in this case. For sure. And I can be extra too. I've definitely been extra. And there's some guys that are extra. And when you meet the right person, hopefully you'll both be extra on each other and it'll Mm -hmm. just be this explosive relationship. And so, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, that's such a unique experience. And I was like, wow, how crazy. But then, and I'm not saying crazy in a judgmental way at all. Like, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging him. I understand that when you are excited about someone, you can be extra to your point. I'm sure I've been extra as well, of course. But after reflecting, I was like, oh, you've had like a couple of things where it's kind of comparable. And one of them, which ended up not being crazy in hindsight, but when I describe it, it could have been crazy. I decided to become exclusive with someone. And two days later, I went on a six day trip with him. And it's a little different than the first date because yeah, you've known the person you've decided to be exclusive, but it was still like, We've never spent more than like four consecutive hours with each other. And now we're going to go on this trip for six days. It went really well. So in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was really nice. But it could have been a disaster. And it could have been like, oh my God, this was a mistake. The other thing that I would think is more comparable, I went on a first date with someone. And coincidentally, it was after I'd gotten out of two back-to-back relationships. So I like downloaded Tinder, matched with this guy. And he was my first Tinder date after being single for the first time in four and a half years. So we go out and I found out I was also his first Tinder date. We went to an automotive museum. We went to the Grove. We got lunch and then we got drinks. And yeah, it went really well. It was just like we had good banter. He was so funny. We got along very swimmingly. Wow, what a nerdy way to say that. But we did. And so then we were talking about plans that were coming up. And the next weekend he had a trip with his friends to go to Vegas and he was like, you should come. And I couldn't go because similar to you, I literally had something else where it's like, I can't back out of this. It's not just like, Oh, I brunch with a friend. It's like, I had a clear reason why I couldn't go that I can't remember at this time. So I never had to really consider it seriously, but I was like, would I have gone like for one, I actually love Vegas. And so part of me was like, that could be really fun. And like it, also is with his friends. So it's a slightly different tone where it's not like this romantic getaway. It could be just like a more fun thing. Granted, that would also be a little weird. I don't know, like, were his friends bringing their girlfriends or dates? Or would I be like the only girl on the trip? There's a lot of questions that I never had to unpack. But I do wonder, 
I don't know if I'd had the opportunity to go, would I have gone? Oh my gosh. I would tell you to go. Yeah. Say, go have a good time. And also we were talking about this earlier before the podcast started, but you can get to know a lot about a guy based on like the company he keeps around mm-hmm. and his friends that he has around him. So I'd want to know like, what are these guys like? Do I want to be around these guys? For me, the ideal relationship is you have amazing friends. I clearly have amazing friends (laughs) and we enjoy spending time with each other's friends and Mm -hmm. it builds like this community around us. And so like, if I don't like to be around your friends, then that's another data point to let you know if I want to move forward. But yeah, totally. And I know it sounds a little crazy, like going to Vegas with a stranger, like in college, some of the Vegas trips that we went on, I was like, those were probably more dangerous, even with right, people who right. we like knew and trusted. So I'm like, I could, it'd be fine. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. His friends are lame, but still, you'd have a great time. Yeah. Vegas is so much fun. Oh, can't wait to go back to Vegas I when know. things are, or maybe we change things up and go to Miami. I don't know. Ooh, but, but I've never been to Miami. And neither have I. <laughs> well, that's something to talk about after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So one more question that I had about this guy, and I think it's a slightly deeper question and maybe you don't have an answer to it, but do you think that by doing all of these grand gestures on date one, do you think he was just someone who was excited and had no chill? Or is there a possibility that he was kind of love bombing a little bit? Tell me more about love bombing. So I feel like to be nerdy and continue our theme of like being unsexy and analytical about dating, I read a couple articles about it because I don't think I've experienced someone who does it to the full extent and in its most nefarious form. But love bombing is when someone will make all of these grand gestures and future plans and do things that are not appropriate for the stage of the relationship that you're at. So they will try to accelerate things in a way that is manipulative, honestly, because they're like, well, I want to instill this false sense of security that I haven't earned yet by doing all these things that like I really shouldn't be doing because we just met each other. And I don't know him. I know you said he's a lovely person. So I'm not even trying to say that he had nefarious intentions, but maybe he was like love bombing out of a good place of like, oh, I really want to win this girl over. So I'm going to do these things that are uncharacteristic for the stage of the relationship. I just would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I, (laughs) the part of me that's coming out is the one that values self responsibility. And so with that said, I think that I attracted someone who reflected me in a lot of ways. Someone who's eager for love, someone who really wants to have a meaningful relationship. He also shared with me before we met, which I thought was really interesting. I think it's the first guy that's ever told me this. He said that he had anxiety and I was like, whoa, that's, that's interesting. I definitely feel I have anxiety myself. Mm -hmm. So I was laughing about this. Another friend told me, oh my God, that's great. You were dating yourself. And like, I think that's literally what it was. I was dating myself. So 
to your question of what he was doing. I think that he was meeting me where I was, this girl who's excited to fall in love Mm -hmm. and who indulges in the idea of, could this be the one on a first date, which I'm working on it. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. And it does also seem logical that you would attract someone who's at the same stage of where you are. And it sounds like he had no nefarious intentions, which is great. It was just a little bit of overzealousness. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I think so. Although we won't ever really know because we can't be in his mind and everything I say is an assumption. But Mm -hmm. But I I feel like you read people well. Yeah. I feel like I brought that energy into it and he jumped on it. He was like, okay, yeah, let's go for it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like, oh, not that much. Yeah, that's so much. That's a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this has been such an amazing and reflective discussion and so honest. And closing out on our conversation, I wanted to end with a game related to online dating. And so I wanted to play Never Have I Ever, but online dating edition. So where we ask each other questions to see things that like maybe I haven't done this, but maybe you have, and then kind of dive into a little bit more about our thoughts about this behavior or this practice. I cannot wait. Yes. Okay. So would you like to start or should I start? I can start. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Never Have I Ever asked to go on a second date let's start slow have you ever asked someone to go on a second date no and that actually transitions well to one of the questions i wrote like we wrote these separately for full disclosure my next question was never have i ever been the one to initiate asking a guy out over the app i just like don't ask people out i'm not saying that's the right thing to do i just don't so no i never have actually if you ask one of my exes he will insist that I was the one to be like, we should be exclusive and I want to see you again. And I still stand by the fact that that's not the case, but yeah, I just like not really my style. So you have never initiated the asking to go on the first date or the second date. I have asked someone to hang out, like initiated. Cause I'm like, let's, let's figure you out. Like I want to get to know you. Like, yeah, your, your text game is strong, but I want to hear your voice. I want to see what you're about. So interesting. I like interesting. that. And one thing I haven't really done this, but I think after reflecting on my strategies, I think if maybe the conversation were going well, but then it wasn't moving forward. I haven't done this in the past, but going forward, I think I would say something like, I would love to meet up for a drink sometime and then like put the ball in their court. And if they try to continue the conversation without asking me out, it's like, okay, like, no, okay. Like, we don't, we're not the pals. <laughs> but I think I would do more to put the ball in their court actively without going so far as to say, will you go on a date with me? I'm proud of you. Thanks. Baby stops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So never have I ever said no to a second date face to face so you're on the Mm. date they're like hey like do do you want to hang out again and i have never said (laughs) no i don't want to go out with you again one guy comes to mind we like had we had a leslie we hung out on thanksgiving what yeah when was that on thanksgiving no but like wait (laughs) this year this year oh yeah this year we like we went, did a social distance beach hangout, and 
when I met up with him, I was like, oh, okay, like, he's cute, he's cute. But then as we continue to talk, I'm big on smiles, like, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't attracted to his smile. And there were other things that I wasn't attracted to either. And so it just kind of, like, solidified it. And again, not just his smile, but, like, his stability, his, I don't know, his maturity level. Yeah. And so he asked me, he's like, hey, like, so do you want to hang out again? And I I said, yeah, like, sure, (laughs) sure. And and it was Thanksgiving, so I didn't want to hurt his Thanksgiving day. I didn't. And then the next day I said, hey, I see us more of a friendship connection. And then he didn't respond to me, which is better than... It's better than lashing out. Yeah, it's better than lashing out. So have you ever said no to a second date, even though, like, you... I have not. ...wanted to later? I have not. I've thought about this recently because, again, I really am leaning into this vulnerability thing. Like, I know I've brought it up just on this podcast, but it's like a combination of the vulnerability and not being so conflict-diverse. And so it's like, yeah, that's really uncomfortable. But... I hope that if there's a scenario next year when I'm on a date with somebody and assuming I don't feel unsafe, like they don't seem like somebody who's going to like beat me up, then yeah, I would hope that I can get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I see it. I think the closest that it comes to is if I know I don't want to go on a second date with someone, I'll insist on paying my share because I've talked about this before. So I'll just give the brief summary. That same 35 year old who was just not a good match, I tried to pay. And he was like, no, 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 I insist. And then afterwards, I was like, I know I don't want to go on a second date with him. He asked me to talk on the phone. And I was like, I see our connection being more platonic. And then he asked me to Venmo him for half. Um, And I was like, ew, oh my God. I almost did it because I was like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't owe me anything. But then I was also like, no, it's really gross that you were down to pay for something when you thought that you were getting something out of it. And then retracted it after you realized I wasn't romantically interested. Like, if you're not down to pay, don't offer to pay. Like, take me up on the offer then. So I bring that up just to say I don't want to be in that situation again. If I know that I'm not going to be on the date with the person again, then I'll just pay for half so that I don't have anyone feeling like they are entitled to calling me out for something. For sure. Can we do a quick role play of me asking you on a second date and you rejecting my second date? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. So, Leslie, I've had a really good time with you, and I'd love to see you again. Like, would you be open to a second date? So, I had a really great time with you as well, and I would also love to see you again, but I have to be transparent about the fact that I think that would be more in a platonic sense. And so, if you're open to that, I would love that. I don't think that our next meeting would be romantic, though. Amazing! Okay, but I have a question for you. I have a follow-up question for you. Would you really be open to a platonic date? Like, are you open to being just friends with the guys that you hang out with? Oh, God. That's such a fascinating question because one of my friends who was on the podcast recently, she is friends with most of the people who she's dated. And I'm like, what? And for her, I don't know. I mean, she's like a very friendly person. She's so open. She is so unafraid to share exactly how she's feeling. And so I think that partially leads into it to where she's never going to like lead someone on and then have to let them down easily. If like she wasn't into it, I think she would say it up front. I would not be into it for most people. Like I've never actually become friends with someone who I met on a dating app, like legitimate friends. There is one person who I went out with and I did have a really good time with him. I feel bad saying this. Maybe I'll cut this, but 
I remember I met up with him and I was like, I feel like he's gay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't think we can ever get to a point where the attraction is there for me. If that's my first thought and that thought persists throughout the whole date, I don't know that I see us getting there. So I was like, we had a great time. We laughed a lot. It was really fun. So then when he asked me out again, I said, I feel like our connection is more platonic, but I would be open to hanging out again if you are. And that was one of the few times where I meant it. And he was like, yeah, no, I feel like if we were to hang out again, I want to be physical. He said something like that. So pretty direct and like, I want a physical relationship. I was like, what a weird way to say that. But it's like, okay, fair. But then he followed up and he's like, can I ask why? And I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to say I, I thought you were gay. That's so disrespectful. Whether you are or aren't, it's not like it's a bad thing. But if you're presenting yourself as being interested in me and I then question that, that is not my place to say it all. So I just had to be like, I don't even know what I said, but I, I didn't lie or I didn't make something up. I was just like, it was just the vibe I got or something like that. Because I'm like, it's not my place to say anything about your sexuality whatsoever. So it almost backfired because I'm like, oh my God, of course, this would be the one person who follows up to ask like why I don't see it proceeding romantically. This falls into a perfect segue into one of the questions I asked for Never Have I Ever. So I have to ask this. Okay. Never have I ever shared something personal about why things aren't going to work out. What I mean by that is if someone asks me, like, I've never really said the real thing. I just say, like, it's more of a friendship connection. Whereas I know in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, it has to do with xyz but anyways so have you ever like been honest about why things really wouldn't work out with someone i haven't because again part of it is fear that someone might lash out it's kind of an attack and even if you don't mean it to be an attack people are going to take it as an attack so if someone lashes out whether it's in a malicious way or just like a really reactive way i think it's understandable so i have not Partially because of that. And also because I'm like, okay, I don't really know this person. And so like, they probably don't really like even value what I have to say. I don't know you on a deep level. You don't know me on a deep level. So if someone's attacking like a core value of yours, I think that there is an instinctive quality in you that's going to be like, what do they know? Like they just met me twice or something like that. I would say the closest I got, funnily enough, is that same weekend that I ended up meeting up with that guy who I mentioned earlier, where we ended up talking about like, what are we? A part of me was like, I set up this first date because I was like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like I'm protecting myself because like, who knows what he's going to say when I meet up with him. Maybe he just wants to sow his oats. So I was supposed to go on a date with this other guy. I'd never met him before. We had plans. I got ready to go on the date. Again, it was a weekend where work was crazy, which is rare, but it was so crazy to the point where like I got a work call as I was getting into the car and then I had to have another work call. And then I was like, I texted him. I was like, I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. And then like things just kept spiraling. And I was like, I I can't meet up today. I'm sorry. So I had to cancel. And then we rescheduled for like the next Tuesday. But as I mentioned earlier, that same night, that other guy and I decided to be exclusive. So I was like, well, I obviously can't go on the date now. And so I like sent him a really like heartfelt text. I was like, I'm so sorry. I know you probably think I'm so flaky and blah, blah, blah. And it was more than I would normally send. And I also addressed, I was like, I'm sure you don't care because you haven't even met me. 
but I just wanted to be transparent. And he never responded. That's fine. He didn't have to respond. But yeah, I, I think that's the closest it's ever gotten to me being like, hey, here's why it's not working I'm out. Trying. But again, I think that was much easier to do because it was like, these are all things that were on me. It was nothing mm-hmm. negative about him. Like I literally never met him. Yeah. So I don't think I would want to tell someone more than, hey, this is, this is more of a friendship connection because that's ultimately what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And everything else... That's that doesn't need to be said. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't like your teeth, <laughs> even though that might be true. I don't think it needs to be said because they have lovely teeth, you um, know. Yeah, and it's like there's a morbid part of me that would love to hear every reason why someone decided not to date me. Is there? Yes. I don't want to hear that. I mean, I don't really. But there's a part of me where it's like I would love to know, like, what can I work on from a self improvement perspective. But at the same time, I'm like, there's enough things to be self-conscious about without someone literally criticizing you to your face. Yeah. 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 And I do have to clarify, it's never (laughs) just about their teeth, but a smile is important. You're going to kiss that smile for the rest of your life. And if Mm -hmm. you don't want to kiss that smile on the first date, well, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to say it's never one single thing. It's always a combination of things where you're like, I'm not feeling it because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then that last thing is like, it winds up being the deal breaker because you're like, okay, that's the final straw. Totally. Yeah. All right. So never have I ever gone on a date with someone the first day that I matched with them. I feel like this has had (laughs) to have happened to me. I... Don't know for sure, but I have met up with someone after we FaceTimed. Mm-hmm. Like that same day that, that after same we FaceTimed? That same night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably be the closest to that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I mean, after you FaceTime, it's also a different level of connection than just texting over the app, so. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never have I ever gotten excited with a first kiss. What do you mean? Never? No. Never, Lily? I don't think so. I think they've always been like, uh, okay, maybe. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. That's true. You're right. Yeah. The last time, the last guy, I was I was interested to continue to explore. Okay, maybe that's not a fair one to say. <laughs> I feel like I don't believe that. <laughs> but not as excited as I'd like to be. But, okay, maybe we can throw that one out. But... Um, Okay, okay, so we'll just close out with two more. So, never have I ever followed someone on Instagram before going on a date with them. Followed someone or stalked them on their Instagram? I'm going to be honest, both. I am one of the few people, I will say, who, like, doesn't stalk people on Instagram. I'm also, like, anyone who follows me on Instagram knows I'm really not that active, so it's not, like, such a huge part of my life. So, yeah, I've done neither. I definitely have looked someone up on Instagram to get a little more insight about them. I've also Googled their name to learn more about them. I clearly like to do a lot of data collection and also <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. So no, I've, I've done it all. And so far it hasn't really helped me a lot because I'll, it'll help build a positive case in this fantasy story. And then <laughs> it falls flat. Also the last 
three boyfriends I've had have not had an Instagram. Like, I've never had one. I love that. Yeah, which I'm like, I'm fine with that. But I think it's also, I think because I've never had social media be a huge part of our Mm -hmm. relationship, it's like... My first relationship, it was when Facebook was still kind of a thing. Like, it was fizzling out. But, like, we still posted photos of each other on Facebook. So, very different era. I feel like in the modern era of dating, social media has never been a huge part of my relationship. So, it just continues to not be. But then also in terms of, like, exchanging Instagram handles with someone I meet, I've had a couple of times where either I've exchanged Snapchat handles, actually with two people, and both times it really grossed me out. One time he just, like, started sending me shirtless photos of him in bed smoking, and I was like, ew, it's the middle of the day, and I'm at my job, like, what the fuck are you doing? And then the other time, he sent me a dick pic out of the blue, and then when I called him out on it, he blocked me. And I'd never met either of these people, so it's like... Clearly, this is just what you do with women, and it's gross. And then I've had two people who followed me on Instagram, and they started just, like, speaking to me in a way that made me feel like they thought they knew me more than they did. Because, again, we hadn't met. One guy will still slide into my DMs here and there. I've never met him. And it weirds me out, honestly. I just feel like a lot of times, and maybe it's just these four negative experiences I've had that make me feel like I'm not going to exchange social media handles with you. But I just feel like I want to get to know you and make sure that I actually have a connection with you before I like let you see more of my life. Like, why should you see pictures of me from five years ago if I've never even met you in person? Like, you don't deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And also, It's Instagram. It's not truly who they are. Mm -hmm. So I like that you take the approach of not being biased by all of it Mm -hmm. because it may or may not be like their truth and who they really are. So, yeah. Okay. The last question I have. Never have I ever showed up to a date and had someone look completely different from their profile. Okay. What I will say is that they won't look completely different. But it's it's a different energy than what I would have expected Mm. from the person or just like, yeah, so they look similar, but I'm like, oh, but you're more skinny, Mm. which is fine. Skinny is great. Nothing against skinny, but just like you actually see the person in real life and and they look typically the same, but it's just like a little different. I don't know. I don't think it's like so drastically different, but you start to understand or what I'm learning in the last two months is pictures and real life are two totally different things. So yeah, I mean, obviously right so yeah and I think I've experienced what you're describing I've never had a full catfish where I'm like oh my god your pictures were clearly from five years ago or you've gained 40 pounds or Mm -hmm. anything like that but I have had times where I'm like oh I thought like you just had a different vibe in your photos than what you're presenting and I would just like to close and brag a little bit because I feel like I can say I'm a negative catfish because (laughs) I once had a guy meet up with me on a date and he was like wow you're like hotter than I thought you were gonna be and I was like that's cool but also if you didn't think I was hot like why did you agree to come on this date so yeah I mean hopefully I'm not out here catfishing people but apparently for this guy it was a positive (laughs) Leslie I've heard this same thing multiple times <laughs> that they'll be like whoa like I can help you make your profile cuter <laughs> and I'm like 
and like, yeah, I didn't, I saw your profile and I thought you were cute, but like, I'm like, okay, great. Like that means that my profile has put the bar pretty low. <laughs> so if you're into it, then just you wait, know, till, you see just me wait till you see me in person. That's why I like things like on hinge. It does have options to answer questions. And I put a lot of, I don't want to say positivity, but like you can see that I care about personal growth. And if someone vibes with that, then that's what I'm trying to attract into my life is someone who values that, values someone who wants to exude a growth mindset or values emotional intelligence and values like things like roller skating and, and, and having good taste in music, which is what I put out there too. Try to have a good balance of that seriousness again. And then like a little bit of playfulness with some mediocre photos of ourselves. That (laughs) seems to be working, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's working in the end. So that being said, is there anything that you want to plug for where people can find you and see these mediocre photos? Oh my gosh, how amazing. I have an Instagram with very few posts, but I feel like that's the way to connect with people because I do like to share other content that I like. And who knows, maybe I'll build out my content. But anyways, my handle is daily underscore Laylee. Laylee spelled like daily, but with an L. And so, yeah, if anyone wants to connect, would love to, would love to hear from you. I'm also on Facebook, but that's not as fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And she is a smoke show, so you should all follow her. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm sure that you're a smoke show too. So let's be smoke shows together and, yeah. and uplift one another. Yeah. And beyond that, I'm glad you said uplift because Laylee posts really motivational content and a lot of affirmations. And so it's a nice dose of positivity in your feed. Thank you, love. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you, Liz. This has been awesome. Yes. Bye. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.